Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. A lot to talk about. Even though we haven't had a lot to cheer about as of late, we've had some basketball stuff we're going to talk about. Got some recruiting stuff coming up, too. It's crazy to think about. You know, right now, everybody's just kind of resting up a little bit and kind of getting their legs back under them. And we still got some spots to fill. I talked about that extensively last week on the show. So it's easy to say, well, you know, it's a great class. No, it's not a great class. It's a good class with the potential to be a really good class. And if we get some uh, high-level transfers, could be a great class, especially for next year. That's the thing. It's like we've, got, we've done a good job kind of addressing needs and kind of refilling the developmental pipeline. We've addressed some immediate needs at left tackle with Percy Lewis. Got another corner to Carlos Nicholson. But outside of that, there's not a lot of guys that make you a better football team next year. Now, and, and I think it's important to understand, too, like, we'll see what happens with some of these players on the roster. I continue to hear that Tyra Sweet's going to get his draft paperwork, get his evaluation. Hearing Makai Polk may get his evaluation. Now, I think it would be rather foolish to come out this year. Now, granted, I don't know those gentlemen's situation. You never know. This time last year, we were discussing Errol Thompson, Kobe Jones. Felt that both of them could have benefited from another year, but they elected to come out. Uh, Kobe Jones ended up making the practice squad with the Dolphins. Errol Thompson, of course, did not make it with the Falcons. And so, you know, it's easy with the gift of hindsight to say, hey, you know, those guys should have come back. And here's the deal. You're like, Errol Thompson kind of was what he was. You know, does he really benefit from coming back, or does he go out and take a chance and bet on himself? Doesn't appear that it have worked out. But, uh, you know, I think Mississippi State played pretty well at linebacker this year. But how much better could we have been with a guy, an experienced guy like Errol Thompson out there calling the checks? Probably better earlier in the year, I suspect. Take a sure-handed tackler like that, a guy that's among the league leaders in the SEC each of his years. He started at Mississippi State. So selfishly, it had been good for us. But I don't know that Errol Thompson would have upped his stock as a prospect. Don't know that. I always believe you should come back, though. I believe you should, especially if you're a marginal guy. If you're a Charles Cross guy, 
You know, it's like, well, he's projected first round. That guy's got to go, right? I mean, that's just – nobody blames him, and we all wish him the best, and we appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State football. I read – I want to embarrass the gentleman that posted this, but I read some absolute nonsense in one of the Mississippi State Facebook groups today about how Mississippi State, you know, should terminate his scholarship and delay his graduation. Well, first of all, um, school's out, okay, so they're – so if we pulled the scholarship, which we wouldn't, uh, he's not going to take any more classes. So he's done with all that. It's like, oh, delay his graduation. Well, he hadn't been in school long enough to graduate unless he was, you know, just borderline genius. And Charles is a good student, but uh, not on track to graduate in December. Graduation's already happened. It's like, oh, you know, Mississippi State's the only reason that, you know, he's even you know, in the position he's in. No, that's not true. You know, genetics, hard work, talent, that's got a big hand in it, too. Yes, Mississippi State provided him, you know, with a, with a venue to showcase his talents and chance to uh, work with our staff and, and improve his game. There's no denying that. But it's been a partnership. It has been. To suggest that it's all about Mississippi State is to be short-sighted and to be a bit selfish. But, again, I want to embarrass the gentleman that posted that. But uh, I just wanted to comment on that because there is a silent minority out there that has, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of stuff that uh, a lot of things to say that are um, not rooted in fact. You know, there are some people that are often in error but never in doubt, and this is one of those situations. And so I, I used to just kind of ignore that sort of stuff, but I, I, I just think, you know, if those are the only voices out there, you know, if they, if they remain unchallenged, then people, you know, begin to kind of adopt those uh, opinions, whether they're correct or not. And so – I try to respond when I can, when I have time. Sometimes I don't have time, and I just let people kind of wallow in their own ignorance, you know. But um, I think the reality of it is is that I would say 99.9% of Mississippi State fans are just very grateful that Charles Cross came to Mississippi State, could have gone anywhere. Came to Mississippi State, sought to, uh, to improve his standing in life as a Bulldog, and has contributed mightily to our football program. And that's the thing. When you get out there and fish in the deep water to catch big fish, they don't always stay. And that's the reality of it. And it's just like when we get back to recruiting. It's like I remember, you know, the, the pearl clutching that went into the final 10 days of the recruiting process. And I share with you guys on this show, you know, here's the deal. When you get out there and it gets thick late, you know, there's going to be some ebb and flow. You can never get back-to-back good days the final two weeks of recruiting. It just doesn't work that way. Somebody's going to report this. Like, oh, my gosh, the Carlos Nicholson is going to visit Ole Miss instead of Mississippi State. And so somebody, people report that, and then everybody panics. Well, he didn't. He didn't visit Ole Miss. He visited Mississippi State. But at the time of that report, that was not good news for the Bulldogs. Now, ultimately, it ended up going well for us. But the reality of it is, is that, um, you know, when you're out there chasing highly recruited players, there is going to be some up and down. So, you know, you can go back, and, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to anybody, but you can go back and you can look at uh, some of the later Sylvester Croom years. You know, the last year, of course, the 2009 class, one of the best classes we ever signed. But, you know, 06, 07, 08, I guess, uh, it's a much different year. And so you could have these boring signing days where you're recruiting players that your competition doesn't want. 
So you go out there and get, you know, G5 quality players and, you know, you're going to beat out Southern Miss and Memphis and Tulane and people like that just because of the fact you're in the SEC. But if you're chasing true SEC players, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And you go back and look at last week and you realize that, you know, with, with the lone exception being Trent Ramsey, Mississippi State went head-to-head with a bunch of Power 5 schools and won with rare exception. You go back and look at Calvin Dinkins, who was uh, the MVP in the south half for the north-south game. Guy was unblockable. If you watched any of that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, all of a sudden, late in his recruitment, he gets Baylor. And I'll be honest with you, if Dave Aranda's offering a defensive player, I'm intrigued. I am. I begin to ask myself, wait a minute, where's our evaluation been? Well, we're chasing Jaheim Otis, right? And so you don't get Otis, and it's like, okay, we got to reshuffle the deck here, and let's go back and take a look here. Then you, so let's get on Calvin Dinkins. And then Florida offers him. And then your Mississippi State coaching staff does a great job locking that thing down. Florida wanted him to prolong the process and take a visit to Gainesville in January. You know, their pitch is, hey, you know, hey, we just got here. We recruited you at Louisiana. You know us. We think you could be a great Florida Gator. But instead, your staff does a good job getting that locked up. And so when you look in hindsight and you begin to realize, too, that you know, there are a lot of guys out there you must take for granted and you realize what big recruiting weekends, excuse me, recruiting wins they were. And so I share that because I think it's important uh, to kind of put things uh, in their proper context. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I'll eat there one day this week, not, maybe tomorrow. One, one day this week for sure, maybe two. We'll see how things go. I love going in there. It's a great atmosphere. There's great service, great food, great portions for a great price. A lot of people out there charging you the same thing they were with pre-quarantine circumstances, but they've cut back on the portions. So you're getting less for your money than you were before. That's not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. I always leave fulfilled. I never leave wanting more. There are a lot of places you go. It's like you go, you know, you pay your 10, 15, 20 bucks, whatever, and you eat, and you're like, uh, an hour later, and you're like, man, I should have got something else. It's just not the case. Bulldog Burger Company, they know how to feed you. They'll get you full, whether you get the BLT salad with grilled or fried chicken, or you get one of those great restaurant-quality hamburgers. It's outstanding. Bulldog Burger Company is a great place to eat, a great place to work. Now, you're running out of time, so maybe if you're close to one of the three locations right here on University Drive, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, or the Lake Harbor Road location there in the Ridge and Flowood area, go by and pick up a gift card for the burger fans in your life. There were probably some starving college students, perhaps a young couple, you know, that uh, maybe just kind of getting started out, they could use a night out on you. It's a wonderful gesture. You can visit eatwithus.com. I can't guarantee you Christmas delivery if you don't, but you can go by one of those locations and pick up those cards. The people, the recipients of those cards will be very grateful. It will be among the best gifts they get. Go check it out today. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. A couple talking points I want to get out here before we start talking basketball. The first thing is uh, I had some people reach out to me and say, hey, Steve, what's going on with – the basketball boys, you know, the ball boys on the basket, we, we hadn't had those. And what's going on with the Diamond Girls? And I say, hey, there's some talk. We're going to do away with the Diamond Girls. I, I have spoke to, let's say, people in charge, and we'll leave it there. That's not true. That's not true. Now, there is an SEC rule about certain support personnel that are deemed kind of non-essential on the playing surface. 
And so that is something that we're having to kind of navigate through. And there, I've actually heard from some, you know, some parents of some former Diamond Girls and a couple of Diamond Girls themselves and said, hey, what's going on with the Diamond Girls? We're hearing that they're terminating the program. That's not true. Not true at all. Now, last year, you may recall, the Diamond Girls were essentially greeters at Duty Noble Field. They weren't on the field. You know, eventually, we'd like to get them back on the field. And a lot of that's going to depend on the SEC protocols and things of that nature. And who knows what's going on right now uh, in the world. It's, uh, I know we're all kind of tired of dealing with all this. We have not dealt with it as some other states have. As I traveled throughout the college baseball season, it was a basically different circumstances at every venue and state that I went into. You know, some places you go, you stop at a truck stop, and everybody's walking around with no mask on. And that, then, you know, 100 miles down the road, everybody's got a mask on. So it's a different situation in different parts of the country. But the reality of it is that's kind of how things are going. And uh, there, there have been some talk about, you know, the media, uh, basketball. You know, we used to be able to sit on the baseline. And now the media has to kind of sit in the rafters. And, and it hadn't always been well received. But the days of the Mississippi State media sitting courtside at Humphrey Coliseum are over. Now, that was going to happen anyway as we renovated Humphrey Coliseum. Media seating probably going to go up around the mid-tier right there. They're going to have uh, you know, a little section for the media kind of carved out in the seats. Not going to be in a rafter. It's not going to be on the floor. So the days of that taking place are over. I even had some people ask, hey, Steve, why aren't you guys sitting on the baseline? Well, I'm, Paul Jones is representing us at men's basketball, Robbie Falk on the women's side, and that's kind of uh, what they're dealing with. But the reality of it is we're happy to have basketball. We're happy to be back in the venue. We're, we're happy to be able to, to cover these games for all of you. But I just wanted to kind of point that out to you guys because many, many of you have asked, and so I wanted to get you an answer. There will still be Diamond Girls, and eventually there will still be, you know, the ball boys, you know, people that run down the basketball, that sort of stuff, and, um, you know, they mop up the floor and that sort of stuff. And so everybody's kind of figuring this thing out as we go. So don't believe everything you hear. Now, I've talked to some people and say, hey, they're going to probably de-emphasize this, whatever. You know, there are always decisions that have to be made. But anybody thinking the Diamond Girls are going to go away, that's just not accurate based on what I'm hearing. And uh, the people that I'm talking to are decision makers. So just kind of hang in there with us and we'll get that figured out. It's important uh, that we all kind of understand and kind of give a little grace, okay, because not everything is a Mississippi State decision. It's easy to blame Mississippi State, and I've got some things we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show as it relates to name, image, and likeness. I figured maybe it's time that we talk about this in depth. Because a lot of people, and I read it on the jeanspage.com message boards every day, people are like, hey, well, Mississippi State needs to do this. Well, a lot of things that you guys are suggesting are illegal. Right? Oh, Mississippi State needs to do this. Dr. Mark Keenum needs to do that. Well, Dr. Mark Keenum cannot in any way orchestrate or facilitate a name, image, and likeness deal for a current or a prospective student athlete. Can't do it. University cannot be involved in that. Now, the alumni can if you do it in a legal way. And, again, we're going to go through that a little bit later in the show. Kind of talk about that. I've got the law pulled up. I've got a few talking points I want to share with you about name, image, and likeness because there is a lot of ignorance, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I am somewhat ignorant, too, as we all are, because this is a new process for us. And a lot of people have this blame Mississippi State first mentality. It's like, oh, well, this is happening. 
let's fire the athletic director, let's fire the president, let's fire the coach, let's fire the support staff, let's bulldoze the stadium. You know, all of that, there's so much of that, there is a lot of this passion that is well-intended that is not really rooted in fact. And I, I use that expression a lot because it's like sometimes we get so bent out of shape and excited and caught up in hyperbole and we don't really know what's going on. We just want somebody to fix it, right? So we're going to talk about that. Let's talk some hoops before we get into all of that. Got a cool top ten list for you. It's going to be all Christmas music this week. But not the way you think. Not the way you're thinking. Right? I got three installments of Christmas music to go this week. Because it's Christmas week, and I love Christmas. I know you guys do too. And not everybody celebrates Christmas, so I'm somewhat I'm respectful of that. You know, you're free to do whatever you want to do. I don't judge you. I'm a live and let live guy. We celebrate Christmas at our house. You may celebrate Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, or you may celebrate nothing. Uh, but the reality of it is, is it's the holiday season. So we're going to do Christmas music this week. Let's look at basketball. It's been a busy week for the ladies, but we'll start with the men. You know, we had a, um, a disappointing loss to Colorado State. Bounced back last Tuesday and just drilled Georgia State 79-50. And then we took on a pretty good Furman team on Friday. Now, the men will be back in action Tuesday down in Jackson at the Mississippi Coliseum. So if you are in central Mississippi, come out and support the Bulldogs. That'll be at the Mississippi Coliseum. That's a 6 p.m. tip against Winthrop. I don't know if you're familiar with Winthrop, but they're a team that has had some pretty good um, success at times as a, as a mid-major. But we're playing them down there in Jackson. And that's the thing, too. There are no students here. We've already finished up the semester. We've already had graduation. Many of our students are, are back home. So, And I love those students. I do. And two of them, of course, are, uh, are in my family. But I love our students because they are the lifeblood of our sporting events, which is how it is. Appreciate them and what they do. And so with, with them not being here, it's a pretty cool thing. We're taking the show on the road. We've done that in the past. I guess we've played in Columbus. We've played in Biloxi, uh, played in Tupelo. But we're going to take on Winthrop, a 6-5 and five Winthrop team, Tuesday night. Looking at their, uh, their numbers here as of late, they lost to Elon at Elon on Wednesday of last week, 63-61. But um, they, they did beat this Furman team that uh, we just played this past week in 85-80. So, again, this is a team, obviously, that's about 500. But um, you know they they played some some Power Five competition. They lose at Vanderbilt. Let me just back up here to the beginning. Okay, so they they drill Mary Baldwin. It looks like Mary's the only one that showed up. 110 to 78. They beat Mercer, 88-85, and then lose at Middle Tennessee, 76-65. They lose at Vandy by 14. They lose at Washington State by six, and then they beat Washington in Seattle. How about that? 82-74. So they played some Power 5 teams. They come home to beat Hartford 82-75. They lose at Coastal Carolina by 10. And then they beat Furman 85-80. Carver College, 83-52 winners over those guys. And then they lose by two on the road at Elon. So, again, you look at this team. They, it's not like they've played the Mississippi School of Math and Science. All due respect to them. Uh, but this is a Winthrop team. And here's the thing, too, and, and maybe maybe I have higher aspira- aspirations for Mississippi State basketball. 
And I get there's a lot of college basketball hipsters out there, and they're like, hey, well, this mid-major – no, guys, listen, no, no. we got a head coach that's got three Final Fours. We have talent. We have Power Five transfers that have joined our roster. We have a very balanced roster. We have some depth. We shouldn't be letting these teams hang around. We shouldn't. Now, the Colorado State loss, you know, we knew that was a big challenge for us. We blew it. Let's just be honest about that. You can say what you want to. Don't, don't try to spin it and say, oh, you know, well, you know, Steve, they were a great team. Guys, we had a double-digit lead late, and we blew it. We blew it. Simple as that. But we have bounced back. Now, the Furman game over the weekend, similar situation. We had the big lead, and then in the second half, we couldn't do anything. We're up 35-24 at the break. They outscore us by eight in the second half. We hold on the win, 69-66. Uh, one of the biggest plays of the ball game is Cameron Matthews stepping into a passing lane and getting basically an uncontested flush at the other end to give us a little breathing room, and we absolutely needed it. But even with that, late in the ball game, they're able to run a set and get a wide-open three from the corner. They just couldn't knock it down. Uh, Alex Hunter from Furman had 30 points on the night, 8 of 11 from three-point line. And here's the deal. If you are a follower of Mississippi State basketball, you know this. We are not going to get out and aggressively defend the perimeter. We're just not going to do it. I think a lot of it's got to do with Ben Howland kind of placing a premium on rebounding. It's like, you know what, hey, we're going to give them the low percentage shot. If they hit them, they hit them. But we're not going to get out there and get out of our lanes and give them the easy basket. And Alex Hunter got hot late for them. They're 25 of 46 from the floor and then 14 of 27, shooting over 50% from the three-point line. I don't understand how Alex Hunter continued to get open, I'll be honest with you. Face guard and whatever you got to do. Whatever, you know, got played 38 minutes, pitched in 30 points. Pretty impressive night for him. On the Mississippi State side of things, Garrison Brooks, your leading scorer with 18 Pulled down four rebounds. Got to get a little better production from him on the glass. Iverson Molinar with 14. DJ Jeffries with 14. Shaquille Moore with 12. And had a big basket late uh, for State. It's when, when State was kind of weathering the storm a little bit, we needed to kind of coil the momentum a little bit. We did. Derek Fountain back in the starting lineup uh, has just two points. Played 20 minutes. And that's, that's a guy, too, that's kind of streaky at times. But uh, still no word yet on what on, on Tolu Smith. You know, he has the foot injury. We don't know how extensive it is. Ben Howland meeting with the media uh, momentarily, so you can find full coverage of that later at jeanspage.com. But the reality of this deal is, is um, we won the game. It wasn't pretty. It got hairy late. And I'll be honest with you, I thought we were going to blow it again. You know, I'm just sitting here looking at these numbers here. I guess with 18, 12 to go, we're up 41, 28, up 13, and it feels like we're going to kind of put this thing away, up a dozen, under 16. And the next thing you know, they get hot. They get hot. We take it back out to double digits a couple times, even under 13 minutes, we're up 11. And the next thing you know, you look up, and it's a six-point game, it's a four-point game, then it's a one-point game, (laughs) then we're down two. It's just, you know, you look at this and you begin to wonder, okay, we're a team that specializes in defense and rebounding, but – they were knocking down shots. Next thing you know, we're down six in this ball game. We're down six with seven minutes to go. And you're thinking like me, I'm sure, we're going to find a way to blow this thing. They go back up six with 3.51 to go. And fortunately, Mississippi State players didn't quit. The Bulldogs didn't quit. We might have quit. They didn't quit. We get a, uh, you know, 
a basket in the paint, you know, from DJ Jeffries, and it's an and one situation. Then we're down three, and this is when Cam steps in there and gets the dunk to put us within one. We had Molinar go to the glass and, and uh, kind of he jumped a little bit early or whatever and missed the dunk. They had a chance. They had a chance to kind of go up here and really kind of put it away. They don't. We get the ball back. Iverson makes a couple free throws, gets us to within one. And, um, again, it's Cam Matthews, the defensive stopper, getting a steal there, and we get off, and there's your Shaquille Moore basket to put State up one with under a minute to play. We find a way to put this thing away. We made a couple free throws late to put it away 69-66. So we win, and that's the thing, too. It's like as bad as it was at times in that second half, we still had the fortitude to win the game. You go back a couple weeks ago, we had the similar situation, and then we kind of faded late. You know, they got on a roll. We kind of got on a roll with them in the wrong direction. And so maybe we grew up a little bit from that. I'm not going to sit here and talk poorly about a win. This Furman team, many people project them to make the tournament. They're expected to be very good in their league. And from an athletic standpoint, you begin to say, you know what, that this shouldn't happen. But it did happen. It did happen. And rather than fold, they found a way to bounce back and win a ball game. And I think in the end, that'll probably help us in the net. I think we have played some non-conference teams that are going to be very good in their league that will help us in the net. You know, I don't. When you look at this, I don't know that we have a bad loss. That's the thing that I go back to. It's like, yeah, we have dropped some games that were frustrating. We're 8-3. and three. You lose to Louisville. They're a good team. And we didn't play well either. We really didn't. We bounced back. We beat Richmond. And then we lose to Minnesota in Starkville. And, again, that's a game we should have won. Same thing for Colorado State. And so when you begin to break these things down, you look at it and say, okay, you've got three losses. Two of those you could have easily and probably should have won. The only game that we have looked kind of out of sorts and looked really bad was against Louisville. They're going to make a lot of teams look bad. And so I still feel like we probably should be a double-digit win team before we start the SEC play, but it's not going to happen. Hopefully we'll take care of Winthrop. That'll make us 9-3 and three in the non-conference as we get ready to welcome Arkansas to the Humphrey Coliseum for the SEC opener on December 29th. That's a day after the Liberty Bowl, in case you're wondering. That's also an 8 p.m. tip, and it is an SEC network game. So we'll see. I think we're still going to figure out kind of what we are. And uh, I've read some social media commentary, and um, I think it's important you know, to kind of look at things in their context. I, I, I just try to tell you how I see it. Whether you agree or not, you're welcome to do that. I won't think any less of you. Um, but the reality of it is I think this team has let some games get away. Now, some of that's coaching, some of that's player execution. It kind of goes hand in hand, right? Ben Howen's not out there missing free throws. You can say, yeah, but he's putting the guys out there. We, don't, we can't go sign a free agent. But here's the thing you look at, all right? So Ben Howen got here. Let's go back and look at the Ben Howen foul here. The 15-16 season, we go 14-17. and 17, But I think down the stretch there, we were as good as anybody. You remember the big win against Vanderbilt late? Vanderbilt's uh, definitely a tournament team. And then Quindary Weatherspoon hits that buzzer beater. I don't think anybody really wanted to play us down the stretch. We had kind of figured some things out. But we finished 14 and 17. And even though it was a losing record, we thought, you know what? We got the right guy. We're going to be okay. He's getting the most out of the team. Once we get some talent to go around him, we're going to be okay. And, of course, Malik Newman leaves. Well, the next year we go 500. 
year number three, we're 25 and 12. We go 500 in the league, uh, 99 record that year, and we make the NIT and make it to the semifinals. The next year, and of course, we have NBA talent on this roster at this point. Ben Howen's recruits are beginning to grow up a little bit. Quindary Weatherspoon, Robert Woodard, Big Reg. So we go 23 and 11 and 10 10 and 8 in the league, and we get upset in the first round by Liberty of all people. Still kind of smarting about that, too. 19 and 20, we go 20 and 11. We're 11 and 7, but the net was not good. They ended up canceling the tournament. Uh, you remember we played one game in the – not us personally, but the SEC had one game in the SEC tournament, and they canceled the tournament. Next thing you know, everything around the world is canceled. And then 2021, we go 18 and 15, and again, kind of get hot late. We finished with a sub-500 record in a league that was – you know, we had some quality teams in the league, but there was a lot of parity in the middle half, and there always is. We took advantage of some of that, won some games late that we should have. And, of course, ended up going to the finals of the NIT. Well, now here we are again, and let's go ahead and count it down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So the question that I ask you, in seven years, as it stands today, Ben Howen is, what, 125 and 85? So we're 40 games above 500, but 51 and 57 in the league. Seven years, if we don't make the tournament, that's one appearance in seven years. I, I, I think it is one of those things where you got to make a decision. you got to make a move there. You absolutely do. Now, some would say, hey, Steve, you know, we got guys, seven years is enough time to get your guys. Now, I am still optimistic this team will gel and will win some games in the SEC. Can we be above 500 in the league? We're going to have to be to make tournament. We're going to have to be. But I think the pieces are there once we get everybody healthy for us to do that. So I am still optimistic on this team. But I will tell you, if if we do not play up to our potential, I, I do think you're looking at a coaching search. I do. Now, that's a worst-case type scenario in some respects. But I'm not ready to give up on the team, not when we're 9-3. and three. Or we should be 9-3. and three. I'm not taking care of Winthrop. You know, and so that's the reality of that. You, you win that ball game – it sets you up pretty well. But we're going to have to find a way to make the Humphrey Coliseum, you know, a formidable place to play. So if you can get out and come, I'm just asking you not to be apathetic about basketball. And it's easy to do, right? I mean, there's so much else going on. I mean, we're also locked into football and baseball. And I had somebody the other day tell me that, you know, Steve, we're less than two months away from baseball season. I said, you know, we got some basketball stuff to cheer for. Too. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I think that's kind of the, the prevailing attitude among many in the fan base. It's like, hey, we want to go cheer for Mississippi State, but we want to go cheer for them when they're winning. Well, we're winning right now. And I don't know what it's going to take to kind of get an electric atmosphere back in the hump. And I will say attendance has been better this year. It has been. So you guys are doing your part. I'm, just, I'm asking you, let's not give up on this team yet. Let's not check out and just say, well, I'm, I'll be back next year. I'm going to wait for some new blood and some new juice. And listen, I'll be honest with you, sometimes we're not a lot of fun to watch. Even when we win, you know, we're kind of a grinded out team that tries to out-athlete people. And offensively, we're, we're, we're not fun. We're not. But I do think as we continue to recruit and bring in players that uh, have a high skill level, I think your half-court sets get a little more difficult to defend. But the reality of it is, is that um, this is a team that I believe is still capable of making the NCAA tournament. And that's what I'm going to hold on to hope to. And then we'll see how things progress. Now, let's take a look at the women's side. Women played two games since we were together last. Uh, we lose. 
Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Eufy is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding. Whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at Tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. This is the game against Troy, 73-66. A lot of people are disappointed. You know, the inbox always lights up when we lose. 
we were behind in this one from the beginning all the way throughout. You know, we made a good run there in the third quarter. But 19-17 uh, lead for Troy after one. They put up 18 and 13 uh, there in the second. So you got a 37-30 lead at the break. We respond, give the team some credit. We outscore them by 10 there in the third, which sets up an interesting fourth quarter. We end up losing by eight in this deal to a seven and five team uh, from the Sun Belt. Now, looking at your leading scores on the Bulldog side of things, Rakia Jackson pitches in 25. Jacalia Jordan, who has proven to be a very good complimentary scorer uh, to Rakia. And Rakia is a volume shooter, 26 shots on the night. Mississippi State attempted 75. She had more than a third of them. Uh, Jaquelia Jordan, 18 points for her. And then Raven Fairley, um, excuse me, Danae Carter off the bench had 11. And that's where Troy really hurt us, was on the glass. They were just better. 60 rebounds to our 39. That just, you know, we talk about missing Jessica Carter. This is where it shows up in games like this. And when we get into SEC play, there are going to be some teams that are going to go right to the post against us because they know we just don't have that dominant post defender. So we dropped that ball game, and again, three games in three days. We bounced back yesterday, and again, didn't play well, but found a way there in to kind of hang around, and then in the fourth quarter, we win. And this is Jackson State team, not good. Not good, friend. They're two and five on the year. We're up four after one, and then they go on a 17-9 run in the second quarter. They're up at the break. Then it's a 2014 run for us in the third. And then finally in the fourth quarter, we put them away with a 25-19 advantage there to win by eight. And so the reality of it is, you know, we're playing against some mediocre basketball teams and at times playing pretty mediocre. And that won't work in the SEC. We all know it. And to be fair to Doug Novak and those guys, I mean, he's in a situation really where, you know, he's not, not doing the job he signed up to do. Rakia Jackson with 24 reaches the 1,000-point club. And I believe Robbie Falk had a stat yesterday, the fifth fastest to do it in school history. Danae Carter, 17 points. Nice game for her. It's back-to-back games with double figures for her in the starting lineup. And maybe that's what we've got to run. We've got to have somebody in there that we can play to pose for us. Uh, Drakelia Jordan, 11 points. Again, a consistent double-digit score. Maya Taylor handed out seven assists and pitched in nine points. Uh, also three steals on the day. And Kateria Thompson with three, uh, Aslan Hayes with eight. And so, you know, we're 74, uh, 66 winners. Now, I mentioned three games in three days. That's right. The ladies playing today at uh, 2.30, I believe. Let's just double-check that. Yeah, 2.30 today. That's an SEC Network Plus game against South Carolina State. The last non-conference game of the schedule for us as we get into, uh, into league play. Now, this is one of those things you look at here. You know, we, we played poorly against the 2-5 and five Jackson State team. If I'm South Carolina State, I'm thinking, hey, we, we got a chance to go in there and get an SEC win. You know, not to mention, you know, they got – they're in your legs a little bit, three games in three days. But here's the deal. South Carolina State, dreadful. 0-10 on the year. And these games have not been competitive for the most part. I mean, it's – and let me run these down for you just, just so you get an idea of how, how dreadful they've been. They lose Old Dominion 80-52, Coastal Carolina 81-57, South Carolina Upstate 70-51, University of St. Thomas 65-50, Georgia Southern, they're fighting Jared Bankos 72-57, 
Jacksonville State, 75-43. Campbell, our friends, the Fighting Camels, 67-46. North Carolina A&T, 86-46. And in Western Carolina, 61-52. Wake Forest, 94-40. So, we should have a chance to go out here, win this thing, and be done with it. And, uh, and feel a little bit better about our team. You know, three games in three days tough on anybody. But the reality of it is a lot of people play in these games. And so the ladies right now are eight and three. And again, it's, it's amazing how similar the, the, the road has been for both men and women. We're going to be nine and three. We expected to be double-digit wins on both sides. And this is a very manageable non-conference schedule for Mississippi State on the women's side. Uh, you know, big win earlier with Dayton. You know, we opened up pretty good shape and then we got drilled by Michigan Uh, but the reality of it is we're probably pretty much on schedule what we expected of course the loss to Troy is the one thing that kind of looms large but the reality of it is you know we can make that up is this a tournament team I don't think so you know we we were we were picked to be in the women's NIT last year and passed on that opportunity you know do we need to play this year I would say probably not you know we're in the middle of a coaching search I'm told that um you know, we're beginning to kind of – the funnel is narrowing down. There won't be a hire made, obviously, until the season's over. So we're talking March, you know, before we make a hire. But um, that's the the beauty, I guess, of having time to figure this thing out is you can kind of identify some coaches and uh, be ready to go, kind of have um, your situation kind of ironed out sooner rather than later. But that's where we are. Can't make it any better, any worse than what it is. I mean, and again, Doug Novak and his staff doing the best they can to, to put a competitive basketball team on the floor. They should win the day. And then, and then we'll open up uh, December 30th, 10 days from today. That's a Thursday night, 6 p.m. tip against Florida. And we'll see how things go. We'll see how things go. You know, again, if we can finish 500 in the SEC this year, I think Doug Novak is a guy that uh, you know, probably you know, deserves a debt of gratitude if we're able to do that. It's uh, it's one of those things, man, you get excited about it, and it's like when you know you're going to be a mediocre team, it's kind of hard to maintain that enthusiasm. But uh, it's not like they're not out there playing hard. I believe Doug, Doug Novak is getting a lot out of this team. And, again, this is there's a lot of moving parts to this, a lot of new players that are kind of becoming familiar with playing together. And so, you know, we're going to kind of go as Rakia Jackson goes, and we get an SEC play. They're going to be determined to make somebody else beat them, and that's where somebody else is going to have to step up and kind of lead the show. But that's your basketball update, again, brought to you by the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. All right, time for today's top ten list, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's Close, C-L-O-S-E, CloseWithBlair.com, as you are looking to close your mortgage loan. Maybe you're looking to buy a home for the first time. Maybe you're looking to refinance your current home. Maybe you want to take advantage of these lower interest rates, get your equity working for you, pay off some debt, consolidate some of those credit cards. Maybe you ran that debt up during the quarantine. You want to lower your overall multi-payment, give yourself a little breathing room, improve your quality of life. Blair can help you with that. Maybe you're looking for a second mortgage, perhaps a home equity line of credit. Blair can help you with every bit of that. And this is a guy, too, that works at Fairway Mortgage, recently named the number one mortgage lender in America. How cool is that? How cool is that? So this is not some fly-by-night subprime lending operation. This is a company that's going to be there. And Blair's a guy that's been doing it 21 years. Top 1% close ratio nationally. Not a guy that's uh, just kind of passing through Do we find something else. This is a guy that's a committed mortgage professional. And he believes in doing business with Bulldogs whenever he can. Of course, he'll take uh, 
you know, he'll take business from anywhere. So it doesn't matter what school you root for. If you're listening to the show, if you mentioned to him that you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. And that's up to a $500 to $600 value. Give Blair a call or text today. It's 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. That's his personal cell number, guys. That's not some office phone. There's not just somebody sitting behind a desk taking your message. You go directly to the source. Blair is my friend. That means he's your friend. We want to keep it in the family, whatever we can. So mention to him that you heard about him on the boneyard, and he is going to give you the Ken Folks discount on every bit of that. So be sure to check him out today. Again, that's Blair Chandler at closewithblair.com. All right. Christmas music. And I like to challenge myself with all this stuff. And you guys know that I'm a rocker. And so we're going to do some different things this week. Okay. So today, our first installment of our Christmas music, we're going to do the rocking Christmas. Now, these are not cover songs. I, you know, we talk about everybody has these cover songs. We're going to do covers on Wednesday. Okay, we're going to do covers on Wednesday or, or something like that. We're going to do more radio-friendly type stuff. A lot of this, not radio-friendly. So we're going to do Christmas kind of uh, kind of mixed up a little bit. We're going to do the rocking Christmas songs today. And these are original Christmas songs. They're not rock versions of classic Christmas carols. These are original rock Christmas songs. A couple honorable mentions. Let's go uh, Naughty Christmas by Lacuna Coil. I love Christina Scabia. She's incredible. Uh, the Stocking Song by Steel Panther. Don't listen to that with your kids in the car. Uh, and Backdoor Santa by the Black Crows. There you go. You didn't think you'd get a Steel Panther reference today, but you did. And again, don't listen to that with your kids in the car. All right, so here we go. Number 10. And you might know them more from their big hit, Stacy's Mom. But it's I Want an Alien for Christmas by Fountains of Wayne. How about that? You weren't expecting that either. Number nine, this is a song that Corn actually covered from the Nightmare on, on the, the Nightmare of Christmas, I guess. I, I think that's the name of the movie, but uh, it's Kidnap the Sandy Claws, Corn. They actually did a couple of Christmas covers, but that's the one that was a little more uh, family friendly. The Nightmare Before Christmas. There we go. Number eight, making their first appearance on the list, it's a heavy metal Christmas with Twisted Sister. That's right. That's right. Twisted Sister making the list today. Heavy Metal Christmas. Number seven, Going Back and God Rest Their Souls, man. One of the great punk bands of the 1970s and the early 80s. It's Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight by the Ramones. I told you it was a diverse list. It's a little different. Number six, you probably never heard this. And this will blow your mind if you're a rock fan. It's Heavy Christmas by 220 Volt. Heavy Christmas. It's basically Christmas lyrics and Christmas kind of, um, you know, commentary plugged in over some incredible guitar riffs. Number five, from the Adore album by Smashing Pumpkins, it's Christmas time. And this is a little more in tune with the regular Christmas but I figured since we're doing original rock songs for Christmas, we had to work in the Smashing Pumpkins. So Christmas Time by Smashing Pumpkins, your number five song. Number four, I, and I, I, I never miss a chance to put Queen and Freddie Mercury on the, the list when we can. I'm a huge Freddie Mercury fan. God rest his soul. 
but it's Thank God It's Christmas, a song written by Brian May and, and wonderfully performed by Freddie Mercury. I don't know why this doesn't get played more often, to be honest with you. Not that I sit around and listen to a lot of Christmas music, but I get out and I shop and everything, and it's like you hear the same 10, 12 songs over and over again. But why not Her Majesty the Queen? All right, number three, back on the list, is Dee Snider. Now, here's the deal. And most of you have heard this song and heard Celine Dion record it. Well, Dee Snider wrote it. How about that? Did you, did you know that connection? That's the thing about the Boneyard. You never know what little nugget of trivia you're going to get. So Celine Dion covers a Dee Snider song. Dee wrote it originally for his wife. Celine Dion recorded it, had a huge hit, and then Dee Snider, and then they did their own Twisted Christmas album. And the magic of Christmas Day with Dee Snider and Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm. Many of you are new fans of hers because of this show, which gives me a great source of pride to know that I'm turning you on to Lizzie Hale, who is the great, the greatest rock vocalist of the female variety of this generation. I think she is this generation's Janis Joplin and with even more incredible range. She uses a little register well, but she can hit the high notes. Love her. Love Hellstorm. And so Dee Snyder and Lizzie Hale, The Magic of Christmas Day, that's your number three song. Now, here's one that most of you have never heard. I guarantee it. And it is wonderful. It is absolutely wonderful. But it's Christmas time don't let the bells end by the darkness. You say, Steve, the dark. Yes, that's right. I believe in a thing called love. Same band. This is a really, really good song. It is a really, really good song. And that's the thing, too. Like Bands like the darkness. It's one of the things I love about rock and roll, man. Rock and roll is fun. There are some people taking themselves too seriously. The darkness is not one of those bands. Those guys are kind of caricatures of themselves. They have a great time. Matter of fact, I watched uh, I Believe in a Thing Called Love before I recorded the show. Watch a video. It's so crazy. It's so over-the-top cheesy, but I love it. But Christmas time, don't let the bells in. It's a cool song. It really is. And number one, we're going with uh, the riff master, Angus Young. And if you know anything about the ACDC catalog, you know exactly where I'm going with this. Off the razor's edge. It's Mistress for Christmas by ACDC. How about that? You didn't expect to get that today. So there's your rocking Christmas. We'll do something a little different on Wednesday, and it will be a little more traditional on Friday since it'll be Christmas Eve. You're thinking, Steve, you're going to record on Christmas Eve? You're absolutely right, I am. You're absolutely right. Probably record on uh, the day before, and we'll just publish it on Christmas Eve. But I'll have uh, family in this weekend. But you guys, many of you will be traveling for Christmas, and so we'll have a Christmas-themed boneyard on Friday. And come back on Monday, we'll preview the Liberty Bowl. Looking forward to that. Excited to get out there and be a part of all that. And, um, you know, we still got some football left to play. None of your SEC Bowl teams have played yet. And there's 13 of them. So you're going to get a lot of things to root for and against. And I'll be honest with you, I'll share my picks uh, a little bit later in the week. Probably do that on Friday. I think it could be a losing bowl season for the SEC. I really do. And I think because there is so much parity in the league and we have 13 teams that are bowl eligible, you got a lot of mediocre teams in the postseason. That's my hot take for today. It's going to be a losing year in the bowl season for the Southeastern Conference. How about that? All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. 
Love those guys. You will too. Stan and man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie Candy, the whole crew will treat you like family because you are family. They've been doing this a long time. They're not some fly-by-night operation that showed up and put an MSU flag out in front and said, hey, come buy your merch here. These people go to ball games. These people rise and fall with the emotions of the Mississippi State athletics experience, just like you do. You go in there, you can talk about the ball game with Stan and man. He's happy to talk to you. With a smile on his face. He's always happy to see you. If you can't make it to town to meet him in person, you can support them, and I encourage you to shop local whenever you can. Support our great Starkville businesses. Go to campusbookmart.net, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR. It stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And you get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. So, again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. You're running out of time. You only got a few days left. You may want to come by and check it out. Or call ahead and say, hey, I need to order this. Can you ship it in time for Christmas? I wouldn't take anything for granted. I know they're working hard to get all these orders out. But you need to be, you, you've waited really late. You've procrastinated. It's your own fault. I've procrastinated too. I've got nobody to blame myself. But the reality of it is I can drive around town and get all the Mississippi State merch I want to. So, again, visit them, our good friends at Campus Bookmart, at campusbookmart.com. Dot net. Let's get into some name, image, and likeness stuff. And because I know this is a this is a real bear, and there's a lot of misconceptions. So let's talk about this for a bit. Now, the first thing I'll tell you is I'm not a lawyer. I hadn't passed the bar, but I know a little bit. And so I want to break this thing down for you as best I can. I think there's a lot that uh, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about name, image, and likeness. I'm going to try to clear those up today. So this bill was passed. Back April the 16th, it is known as the Mississippi Intercollegiate Athletics Compensations Right Act. So it gives student athletes the ability to earn compensation for their name, image, and likeness. It doesn't prevent other people from profiting off their name, image, and likeness. Does that make sense to you? Now, there are a couple things that I'll say about that. I'm, I'm talking like media. So let's say, for an example, the Clarion Ledger goes out and shoots a picture of a Mississippi State student athlete. Well, you know, the Clarion Ledger is a for-profit business, so it doesn't preclude them from using those images. I think it's important for people to understand that. So basically, they're going to exchange their likeness and be able to profit from it where everybody else has kind of made money on student athletes. They have not been able to share. If you recall, there was a time that the NCAA themselves sold jerseys based on uh, you know player numbers and then the student athletes received nothing from that that's interesting right so there's a lot of legalese and all this stuff i'm not going to read the summary but i'm going to get into basically you know section four you know because like basically what it does it you know section one uh, talks about what they're going to call it section two kind of details it defines what compensation is talks about you know scholarships payments, that sort of stuff, kind of defines what likeness, lame, name, image, and likeness, all that stuff means. Um, so a lot of legalese involved in every bit of that. So the purpose of the law is kind of defined in Section 3. Earn compensation commiserate with market value for the use of the name, image, or likeness of so the student-athlete while enrolled at a post-secondary educational institution. So what that basically means, that's what we're trying to establish is what is fair market value. 
so is it fair to say i'm gonna go give a guy ten thousand dollars to come to my kid's birthday party well yeah you could probably get an appearance but not ten thousand dollars because that essentially would be well exceeding the fair market value now everybody's time is worth something and obviously you know players like landon sims going to be much more in demand than say your your backup or your bullpen catcher just the reality of life you know you're not it's not a pay for play type deal but guys that play well and ladies that play well are going to be more in demand. So it is basically economics 101. Someone that has a higher profile is going to earn more money. That doesn't mean you can just funnel money to them through name, image, and likeness that of an egregious value. So they can obtain and retain a certified agent for any matter or activity relating to such compensation. So basically, they can get an agent to help fill these offers and negotiate these deals without jeopardizing their eligibility. Now, it's not as simple uh, as just anybody can go be a name, image, and likeness agent. That's kind of defined by the state. They passed that law years and years ago. So you have to be an actual attorney, from what I understand. You have to have been you know, an outstanding member of the bar. You have to pass the bar and be an attorney in practice to do this. No student athlete may earn compensation in exchange for the student athlete, athlete's athletic ability or participation in intercollegiate athletics or sports competition. And so basically what that means is, okay, you can't go out there and say, hey, since you play for us, we're going to put this name, image, and likeness deal together. And there are so many people out there that are like, hey, well, the school should do this, the school should do that. Uh, we're getting behind a name, image, and likeness. Well, the school can do, cannot be involved in any of that. They can't broker the deal. Uh, they can't put people together. It's got to be something that kind of originates on the grassroots level. Now, here's the deal. The rules only apply to law-abiding, right? And here's the reality of this. You know as well as I do, the NCAA is just waiting. It's low-hanging fruit. They're just waiting for somebody to do something silly here, and uh, maybe they have. You know, we've read about you know, Miami and Texas A&M and some other schools. I think Texas A&M was one of them. But a handful of schools are already being investigated for perceived abuse of name, image, and likeness legislation. The final bullet point in Section 3, notwithstanding any other provision of applicable law or agreement to the contrary, a student athlete shall not be deemed an employee or independent contractor of an association, a conference, a post-secondary educational institution on the state's student athlete's participation in intercollegiate athletics programs. So basically, they're not employees of the university. I think that is an important distinction because essentially they're, they're independent contractors, right? So if they were considered employees, then all of a sudden there's benefits involved. There's a, it becomes a much more complicated situation if they are deemed employees of a university. Now here, I'm going to run through all this stuff here, and there's a lot to it, okay? And I'm going to do my best to explain it uh, as I understand it. Section 4, and this is where the meat of the law kind of comes in here. Except as provided for under this act, a post-secondary educational institution shall not uphold any contract, rule, regulation, standard, or other requirement that prevents a student athlete of that institution from earning compensation as a result of the use of the student's name, image, or likeness. 
Any such contract, rule, regulation, standard, or other requirements shall be void and unenforceable against the university or the student-athlete. Compensation from the use of a student-athlete's name, image, or likeness may not affect the student's athletic scholarship eligibility, grant and aid, or other financial aid, awards or benefits, or the student-athlete's intercollegiate athletic ability. Nothing in this act is intended to alter any state and federal laws or regulations regarding the award of financial aid at post-secondary educational institutions. So basically what they're saying is, if you're out there making a ton of name, image, and likeness money, they can't say, okay, well, since you're making all this money, we're going to take your scholarship and give it to somebody else. So no matter how much money you make, the university can't revoke your scholarship. Because there's some people out there that would say, hey, that's what we'll do. We'll set up a name, image, and likeness deal through our partners, and then you'll essentially be a walk-on. So there is no risk in that respect for the student-athlete. I think that's an important important part of this thing, too. Uh, section, section 4, paragraph 2, except as provided for in this act, an athletic association, conference, or other group or organization with authority over intercollegiate athletic programs, that means the NCAA and the NAIA, including to but not limited to the NCAA, the National Junior College Association, shall not prevent or otherwise enforce a contract rule regulation standard or requirement that prevents a student athlete uh, from earning compensation as a result of their image, name, or likeness, or name, image, likeness. And so basically they can't put a rule in later that say, hey, even though it's legal in the state of Mississippi, you can't do this or it jeopardizes your eligibility. And that's where I think the NCAA has really drop the ball in this deal they have allowed the state and federal government to get involved and to set these parameters and now it kind of limits the enforcement of the ncaa and that's again that is goes back to leadership or a lack of leadership within the ncaa it's like you put it off as long as you can you put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off and then somebody else steps in and now all of a sudden they're the ones making the rules and there's not a lot you can do to change it paragraph d Three, to protect the integrity of its educational mission and intercollegiate athletics program, a secondary and post-secondary educational institution may impose reasonable limitations on the dates and time a student-athlete may participate in endorsement, promotional, social media, or other activities related to the license or use of a student's name, image, or likeness. Basically, what they're saying is, you know, we can't, you know, we got to have a schedule here, and so we got practice, you got classes, so you're going to have to do this on your own time. You're not going to be able to do this to interfere with the schedule and the practice regimen uh, that is set forth by the athletic department. So let's, uh, let's move ahead here. Nothing in this act shall restrict a post-secondary educational institution from exercising its sole discretion to control the authorized use of its marks or logos to determine a student-athlete's apparel, gear, or other wearables during an intercollegiate athletics competition or institutional-sponsored event. A student-athlete may not receive or enter into a contract for compensation for the use of his or her name, image, or likeness in a way that uses any registered or licensed marks, logos, verbiage, or designs of a post-secondary institution. So unless the institution has provided the student-athlete with written permission to do so to execution of the contract or receipt of compensation. So basically what this means is a Mississippi State athlete can be a part of a marketing campaign. However, unless they have paid the licensing fee to use the M over S or any identifying marks of Mississippi State, they can't use it. They can't say it. There's nothing they can do to basically tie the institution to themselves because they themselves are a brand. They are profiting off their brand, not the Mississippi State brand. Now, there is a partnership, obviously, 
between Mississippi State and its student-athletes that allows everybody to further their brand. But that said, you can't trade on the Mississippi State name without Mississippi State receiving some type of compensation for it, if that makes sense. Now, you have seen some shirts out there that have, uh, like, Landon Sims on them and the M over S. Well, then that may, what that tells me is whoever is producing those shirts has gotten permission to use the M over S. Mississippi State is, uh, I won't say stingy, but they're very, very protective of their, their logos and marks, and so they're not just going to give those things away. Paragraph four, an athletic association, conference, or other group or organization with authority over intercollegiate athletics programs, including but not limited to the NCAA and the NJCAA, shall not enforce a contract rule regulation standard or other requirement that prevents a post-secondary education institution from participating in intercollegiate athletics programs as a result of the compensation of a student-athlete for the youth of the student-athlete's name, image, or likeness, if I can make it through this. And again, that's again back to the logo. You know, it's like they can't, they can't be found liable for that. The university, uh, the NCAA can't step in and say, hey, this is wrong. Mississippi State can't allow this thing to happen. A paragraph five, a post-secondary educational institution, and there is a lot of that. Uh, I'm going to just kind of skip that. So anybody with the authority over intercollegiate athletics programs, uh, including the NCAA and NJC, shall not directly or indirectly enter into or offer to enter into a name, image, and likeness agreement with a prospective or current student athlete. Does that make sense to you, the NCAA? They can't say, hey, we're going to make this deal with you. Uh, And so basically they would profit off of that as well. Uh, Section B, provide a prospective or current student athlete or the student athlete's family compensation in relation to the use of the student athlete's name, image, or likeness. Basically part two of that. Um, everybody involved, uh, including the NCAA, cannot prevent a student athlete from obtaining professional representation. That's about you can't. They can't stop you from going out and hiring an agent uh, to help facilitate some of these transactions. Student athletes should provide the school with written notice at least seven days prior to entering into a representation agreement with any individual for the purpose of exploring or securing compensation for their name, image, or likeness. So. There's a process there. And again, that's the protection of the student athlete. A lot of people out there trying to exploit these student athletes. Uh, paragraph seven, professional representation obtained by student athletes must be from persons registered as an athletic agent as provided in the state law. That's the Uniform Athlete Agent Act. Attorneys who provide legal representation to student athletes must be licensed to practice law in the state of Mississippi and in good standing with the Mississippi Bar. We kind of covered that earlier. But there are a lot of people out there that are kind of getting involved and in offering these deals to these kids, and it is important that they have representation to ensure they're not being exploited and they are getting their fair market value. Uh, paragraph 8, athletic, athlete agents representing student-athletes must comply with the Uniform Athlete Agents Act uh, of the Federal Sports Agent Responsibility and Trust Act, and, uh, and there's some legal verbiage there. So basically it means, again, you've got to have a professional attorney representing you and then there are some parameters that they must fall, and they'll know. They'll know. Uh, a grant in aid, including cost of attendance and other permissible financial aid awards or benefits from the secondary, post-secondary educational institution in which a student athlete is enrolled shall not be revoked, reduced, nor the terms and conditions altered as a result of a student athlete earning compensation 
or obtaining professional or legal representation pursuant to this act. So basically, if you get out and you go hire somebody, if you're a partial scholarship athlete, they can't say, okay, well, you were getting 50%, but now that you're going to pursue all these, we're going to cut you to 33. So again, there's no fear of a student athlete having their scholarship or financial aid impacted. The university can't do that. They can't step in and say, well, since you're you're able to pay your own way, we're going to pull your scholarship. That's an important provision. Before any contract for compensation for the use of a student athlete's name, image, or likeness is executed, and before any compensation is provided to the student athlete in advance of a contract, the student athlete shall disclose the contract to a designated official, which is your compliance officers, in which the student is enrolled in a manner prescribed by the institution. And so Steve Smith is uh, handling that for Mississippi State Compliance. He is the guy that basically is ensuring that everything is done to the letter. So they, what, basically what I'm told they do is the student athlete goes into Compass, which is uh, you know, the website, they're kind of a database, and they say, hey, I've been offered a deal here, and I've found an agent here. And so there is a written record of everything, all communications between uh, Steve Smith, the Mississippi State Compliance Department, and our student athletes. Uh, paragraph 11, a third-party licensee may not enter to or offer to enter to a name, image, and likeness agreement with a student athlete or otherwise compensate a student athlete for the use of the name, image, and likeness, if a provision of the name, image, and likeness agreement or the use of that uh, conflicts with the provision of a contract, rule, or regulation, standard, or other requirement of the university, unless such contract is expressly approved in writing by the school. Pretty straightforward there. Um, now, here's where things get a little bit murky at times. And uh, this is what we talked about. There are always, there's no shortage of people that want to help and get involved and there's a lot of this going on in recruiting right now, and this is where I think you're going to see some meaningful legislation sooner rather than later. Paragraph 12. The school, booster, third-party licensee, or other individual or entity shall provide a prospective or current student-athlete compensation or enter into a name, image, and likeness agreement as an inducement for the student-athlete to attend or enroll in a specific institution. So basically what we're talking about here is it's recruiting. You can't offer a recruit a name, image, and likeness deal. You can't say, hey, if you pick our school, then this is what we're going to have arranged for you. And you've seen Lane Kiffin talk about this recently. And this is where I think it's important, too. You know, this is something that impacts everybody. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss, Jackson State, Alcorn Valley, everybody. Everybody involved is impacted by this. Because if there are people out there that are offering recruits these deals, and you know what's happening, you know what's happening because it's still also new. And there are people, basically, we talk about, you know, the law, the rules only apply to law abiding. If you're out there doing this, this is not only an NCAA issue, it is now a violation of state law. And so if there are student athletes within the state of Mississippi or plan to enroll at, state of, at a university in the state of Mississippi, if they have been offered a name, image, and likeness deal in return for their signing day signature, that's a violation and it's a law, it's an, it's an egregious offense of the state law. And there's a real challenge here, too. And it's like the Jackson State stuff we talked about, I don't know what's true in that situation or not. You know, all these people reveal this, and you never know what their intentions are, right? There may be people out there that are just sour-graped and say, hey, this guy picked Jackson State because they're going to pay him all this money. And you've seen Deion Sanders go out there and say, well, you know, we don't have any money. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting with that deal. Let's say Barstool Sports, and again, they're rumored to be involved in this, so who knows what's true and what's not true. 
let's say they propose, hey, if you go to Jackson State, we're going to film this documentary about you and we're going to pay you for it. Well, if that, if that documentary is not offered to him to go to another school, then it could get to be a little interesting. Because let's be honest, if the number one prospect in the, in the country goes to Florida State, it's really not that big a story. He goes to Jackson State, it's a huge story. And so if they're trying to profit off that, let's say they, they've made a proposal to him. And again, this is all hypothetical because again, I, don't, I don't know all the facts behind this. But if they did, if they offered that to him basically as an inducement to go to Jackson State, you've got a real problem on your hands. Uh, paragraph 13, no student athlete, again, name, image, and likeness, uh, can receive compensation from a third-party licensee relating to name, image, and likeness before the date in which a student enrolls uh, at the school. And we've talked about that before. You can't broker the deal. You can't have an understanding that, hey, once you come to our school, we're going to arrange a name, image, and likeness deal for you, whether it be officially or unofficially. The school can't be involved in it anyway. But those deals are basically null and void. And so this is where I think the Mississippi legislature uh, has a real responsibility. If they find out that there has been compensation offered through name, image, and likeness to get players to attend certain institutions prior to their enrollment date, you've got a problem on your hands. So what are you going to do about it? And, again, that's got to be proven. You say, well, Steve, you you can't prove uh, illegal inducements so how are you going to uh, you know, prove this? Well, because this is an NIL deal, um, there has to be a paper trail somewhere, right? Because who would agree to do that? Who would sign a, sign a national letter of intent based on a verbal promise? So I suspect there'll be some text messages and things like that. Uh, because, you know, what if, what if, let's say for an example, a guy that was promised all this, hey, I'm, I'm promised this name image likeness deal, so I'm going to go to Tennessee then all of a sudden he enrolls and all of a sudden the opportunities dry up and it's like it's basically dirty pool and I'm I'm not casting aspersions at Tennessee I'm just using them as an example well we're going to promise you all this money well then you get here well now you're locked into the name image and likeness uh, deal but if there's not a contract out there then everybody could walk away all these promises could simply disappear and then if you want to go in the portal you can go in the portal so what happens then does the guy go back in the portal and all of a sudden the sweepstakes begins again? I guess we'll see. But that's something to really watch. So you can't offer an NIL deal to a recruit and you can't have any contract or any understanding with anybody until they're enrolled in your institution. Paragraph 14, no student athlete shall enter into an NIL agreement from a third-party licensee for the endorsement or promotion of gambling, sports betting, controlled substances, Marijuana, tobacco, or alcohol brand, company branded products, alternative or electronic nicotine products, or a delivery system, performance enhancing supplements, adult entertainment, or any other product or service that is reasonably considered to be inconsistent with the values or mission of a, of a, of a basically a state school. So basically, what this boils down to, um, let's say for an example, let's say you had a student athlete that said, "Hey, uh, I'm working with this." gaming institution and i don't mean online gaming i mean it's like okay well let's say you know there's an off-site gambling company they could not have a deal with them to promote gambling you couldn't be involved in that you couldn't be involved with uh you know i guess cbd or legalized marijuana because you know in some states marijuana is legal and so 
let's say out in Colorado, you sign with Colorado, and then there's some uh, you know, marijuana dispensary down there that wants to sign a deal with you. Well, you couldn't do that in the state of Mississippi. And so that's what makes all this so interesting. It's like people are saying, hey, you know, well, uh, Barstool and, you know, Penn Live Gaming or whatever it was. And, and, again, you don't know how true those reports are. And I'm sure there's a lot of people kind of looking into that stuff now. So if you've brokered a deal with the student athlete prior to signing day, that's an issue. And then on top of that, you're working on a sports betting type situation. That's a secondary issue. So you've got two issues there uh, that are rather, rather interesting and both violations of state law. A contract for the use of a student athlete's name, image, and likeness, which is formed while the student athlete is participating in an intercollegiate sport at a school, may not extend beyond a student's athlete's participation in the sport at the institution. So let's say Jake Mangum was here and we had an NIL deal for him through a third party. Well, that terminates once his college eligibility is over. Once he's no longer a Mississippi State player, then it ends. And so I think that's an important thing, too. You know, so you can't structure these deals where it's like, hey, we're going to give you a million dollars and it's going to go over 10 years. Nothing in this act should be interpreted to modify any requirement or obligation supposed under Title IX. That is one of those things, too, that I think that's where I think one of the bigger legal challenges is coming. Uh, because and that's where it gets really, really hairy. Because here's the deal, you know. Mississippi State University and other universities are under Title IX supervision. Like, they have to provide scholarships, an equal number of scholarships for men's and women's sports. And so if the university is not brokering these deals, you know, what's to stop somebody in a fair market enterprise, you know, saying, hey, well, there's not as many opportunities for female student-athletes. And if the university is not a partner in all this, how do they generate opportunities for female student-athletes? We talk about fair market value. It is the same. It, like now, a few years ago, when the uh, women's basketball team, you know, those every one of those ladies, uh, Tierra McCowan, Victoria Vivians, uh, Blair Schaefer, the, the lot of them, you know, you don't think there was a an increased fair market value for those players than there would be your current players. There absolutely would be, because they were playing at a higher level. They were competing for national championships. You knew them. You went down and got their their pictures with your kids post game. And so I would I would suggest back in those days that their fair market value would exceed most of the male athletes on the Mississippi State campus. Maybe what with the exception of uh you know maybe Dak Prescott and a few stars and Jake Mangum. But I think by and large if there were a a name image and likeness deal in place for Tierra McCowan or Victoria Vivians, they would have raked in money. There's no question about it. And so that's where I think the Title IX thing is going to be awfully interesting because a third-party enterprise, like if I have a business, let's, let's say jeanspage.com, and I was going to enter into a name, image, and likeness deal uh, with a student athlete, and I'm going to pay fair market value. Let's say I go get, you know, Will Rogers. Well, Will Rogers' fair market value is probably higher today than, let's say, Rakia Jackson. And so do I pay them both the same? Well, I would, right? Because I, I think I believe in equal pay for everybody when it comes to that sort of stuff. I, I think it would be wrong to pay Will Rogers one thing and pay Rakia Jackson something else. But somebody else may not be so inclined to do that. So how do you enforce that? How do you enforce Title IX 
on an independent business, somebody that is not, you know, subjected to that, those, that legislation. You don't fall under that because, you know, Title IX is an educational amendment. It's not a situation where, you know, the NCAA or even the Title IX can say, okay, we, we're going to go tell a business how to fund their advertising campaigns. So what do you do? And again, it's like these protections are in here, but if the university is not involved in brokering the deals, how do you enforce that? That's one of the things I think with this law. I think sometimes I wonder if we even need a law. Do we, and if we needed a law to basically make it legal, I get it. But you put all this other stuff in here, and I think you, you open yourself up to some things that maybe perhaps are, um, you know, maybe a little bit conflicted if that makes sense. I mean, I, I think in some respects the law might even kind of over overstep, you know, the boundaries of what the state government should be able to do with, with free enterprise. Again, you know, free enterprise is not bound by Title IX. It, it's not subject to an educational amendment. So, again, a lot to figure out here for sure. Now, um, you know, so... There's a few other th- sections in here, too, that basically kind of fill some things out, you know, and, and define some things for you. But the bottom line is this. The school can't be involved. Um, student athletes can get representation. They have to be attorneys in good standing with the Mississippi Bar Association. The university cannot in any way impede or reduce student athletes' financial aid if they pursue a name, image, and likeness opportunity. And I think that is a concern. I think that is probably a good provision under the law, especially in partial scholarship sports. I mean, just think about college baseball. It's like, okay, well, here's the deal. Now that you're able to fund your own education, we're going to take your scholarship and give it to somebody else. Well, what if the name, image, and likeness money draws up? You know, what if, my, what if I lose my deal? You know, what if they decide they don't, they don't want to renew me? These, these deals don't last forever. A lot of these are just one-off deals. They're just paying these people a few hundred bucks. And, and so it's not life-changing money in some respects and like everybody looks at the uh you know the streamers like the people that get on uh you know twitch and things like that and that they're making a bunch of money you know is streaming gaming that sort of stuff and all that's cool but the reality of it is is um they should be able to profit from that but they shouldn't lose their financial aid as a result because everybody's financial situation is different and there are a lot of young people too that they need that money to be able to enjoy college you know, it's like you say, well, Steve, I, you know, I had to struggle through college too. Well, you know, maybe you should have worked harder in the weight room. I don't know. Uh, but the reality of it is, is this is a very, very, very convoluted issue. And there are a lot of people offered opinions about this that I don't think understand the law. And I'll be honest with you, even though we have gone over these provisions in the law, I don't fully understand it either. But I do know that it can't be attached to recruiting. It can't be attached to, uh, you know, transfers. You can't say, hey, you come here. And according to Lane Kiffin, and I think we take him at his word here, to be honest with you, and I'm not a huge Lane Kiffin fan, but if these are the conversations that he's hearing with recruits, I think you got to take that on face value. And someone would say, oh, he's just making excuses. Well, here's the deal. I mean, you know, he's not the only person saying that. He's the only person maybe in our state that are saying that. Well, they're going where they get the most money. And so that's an issue. And again, we've kind of opened a Pandora's box here. And so how do you enforce it? Because are there going to people, are, are people going to be out there and say, you know what, here's the deal. We can't put it in writing yet, but I got two car dealerships 
that as soon as you sign with uh, LSU, you know, we're going to take care of you. You're going to you're going to get a new vehicle once a semester or whatever. You can use their vehicles and just do some social media stuff for them. We're going to loan you the vehicles. Well, that's one of the things that got Ole Miss in trouble, you know, during their recent NCAA case. And so now, in some respects, that's legal. Now you can make an exchange. You can barter in exchange for advertising for goods and services. Because it's not just compensation. There can be gifts. There can be services. And so if these conversations are happening, the NCAA has a duty to act. Your state legislature has a duty to act. If the state institutions are put at a competitive disadvantage in recruiting because of this law, then it needs to be changed or revoked. But something needs to be done to protect the school institutions. And this is where, listen, there's a lot of disagreements, shall we say, between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. But this is one of those things that we are both kind of similarly situated. And that's not to say that Ole Miss people aren't going to get motivated with name, image, and likeness. They, they absolutely are, and we are too. And there are people like, oh, we're going to fall behind here. John needs to do this. Okay, John can't do it. I just read you the law. The institution cannot impede or encourage anything related to name, image, and likeness. Can't do it. And so – Basically, what this law does is it enables your student-athletes to make money off their name, image, and likeness, whether it be the sale of their jersey, whether it be them doing an advertising campaign for a local car dealership or a business, or you know maybe you have them come sign autographs for a fundraiser at your school or civic organization, and then they are compensated for their time and their effort and their image. But it's not as simple as I think people think it is. Uh, it's not the wild, wild west just yet, but there needs to be some parameters put in place to ensure that everybody's on the level playing field. Like in our in our state, you know, let's say a couple years ago, Cam Akers, right? Cam Akers was a big time prospect. You don't think that, you know, C Spire or other people like that would have profited by having the most recognizable high school athlete in the state of Mississippi pushing their brand. When Malik Newman was out a couple of years ago, you don't think that there are some companies out there where it said, hey, we've got some good opportunities. I mean, you've got a national level recruit representing your organization. It makes a lot of sense to me. Well, now, we can't do that in the state of Mississippi. You can do it in other states. As we saw recently, you, know, you had a quarterback move to Ohio, signed a deal with an energy drink company to make money, and ultimately transferred uh, anyway. But the reality of it is, is there has to be a uniform policy that we're all working under. If not, our institutions in the state of Mississippi are going to get left behind. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Portico. Brooks Bryan is also my friend. If he's my friend, he's your friend too. I like Brooks Bryan a lot. I appreciate him being a diamond dog and uh, doing what was necessary to get us to Omaha. I told you guys before he robbed a home run against Washington to get us to the College World Series. And for that reason, and that reason alone, you owe it to yourself to reach out to Brooks. Because Brooks is a guy, too, that believes in making Starkville a great place to live. Mississippi State, a big part of his life. Starkville as well. Brooks, part of a great group that's brought this wonderful residential development to our city. It's Portico. Very easy to get to. Off 82 on a 12, very first right, will take you to Portico. It's 1.1 miles away from campus. And it's on the convenient side of campus, right? You're not on the business side. You're on the residential side. Pretty cool deal. 
not going too far from uh, that neighborhood market. And there's some other businesses that are going to be opening up out in that area. Be very convenient for you. Phase one completely sold out. Working on phase two now. Getting some work done uh, this week, I believe, out there on the roads. Going to start pouring some slabs. There are some other lots that are still available. So you can pick your lot. You can pick your house plans and have a say in your future home. Whether it be your primary residence, perhaps it's your ball game retreat. Maybe it's your future retirement home. Good options for you out there. Working with good people in a great location. Give Brooks a call today at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. If you need the number and you lose it, message me. I'm happy to send it to you. Happy to do it. I've told you guys before, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. The convenience to campus, the new construction, it's very appealing. You owe it to yourself to do a little research and reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's end it with some baseball. And uh, guys, you know, these college baseball polls, they give us something to talk about. Um, I don't agree with a lot of them, just so you guys know. I think D1 baseball is probably the best um, rankings. And, and part of that, too, is those guys get out and go. You know, those guys get out and go cover games. I have a lot of respect for them. And so I use their rankings. I think those are the, you know, the best rankings for next year. Um, it, you know, it's just, it's just how things should work, in my opinion. Um, so I'm, we're going to talk about some rankings today. This is because I think it's important. And plus, it's baseball. I love talking baseball. So let's go with collegiate baseball. They have released their poll today of top 25 teams. I guess it actually goes to 50. We're going to start at uh, 25 and work our way upwards. So number 25, North Carolina. Finished last year with a 28-27 and record. I, I like this North Carolina program. Don't know what's next for them. But I think this is a program that uh, could surprise in the ACC. Our friends from UVA, Virginia, ranked 24. They lose a lot, though. They lose a lot, but they do return a couple of big-time pitchers. And so that will be interesting to see if they can kind of capitalize uh, on that. Number 23 is Miami. You know, Miami came in here for a regional two years ago and really expected them to kind of make the jump the next year. They didn't. Uh, Miami is still Miami, though. They'll always be hanging around the top 25. I think that's probably a good spot for them. Arizona ranked 22nd. I actually think even this team, you know, won in the Supers last year. They bounced Ole Miss. They lose a ton. You know, Jay Johnson moves on. He took some of Arizona's best players with him to Baton Rouge. I am not a big Pac-12 baseball fan. I watch it a lot, though. Like when we get home from Duty Noble, I'll go back and watch Pac-12 baseball. I think Arizona is probably a team this year that probably struggles to make the tournament because new staff and then you lose some frontline players. And so how do you make that up? 22 actually seems a little bit ambitious. Oregon at 21, there was some time last year people thought Oregon might make a run to Omaha, didn't work out. Uh, They're 21st. Our friends at Arkansas coming in at 20. And let me just tell you this right now, that is too low. That is too low for Arkansas. They lost a lot. They're going to bring a lot back. And they are so good in their own ballpark. They're going to win a ton of games. 
probably be in a hosting situation again this year. Dave Van Horn, arguably uh, the best college baseball coach in America. The guy's done it everywhere he's been. Hard-nosed coach. Blue-collar approach to everything. I think Arkansas is too low at 20. I also think the number 19 team, and this may surprise you, I think they're too low, and that's the Ole Miss Rebels. Now, here's the deal with them. I don't think they're a top-10 team. I think they're probably mid-teens because they're going to be able to swing it. You're talking to our friends in, in the college baseball scouting and pro baseball scouting community. They see Ole Miss is going to be able to swing it as well as everybody. The issue is going to be pitching. You got Derek Diamond coming back. He was your Sunday guy. And there were times he was really good, but he was kind of up and down. Had the back injury last year. Yeah, but what do they do without Nikhazy, right? Doug was outstanding for them last year. Uh, you know, and then, you know, they lose their Friday night and Saturday night guys, and then you're moving your Sunday guy to Friday. They had some transfers in, so we'll see. But they're going to be able to win some softball games. What I mean by that is, is games where teams run out of pitching are going to favor Ole Miss because they're going to be able to swing it. Uh, UCLA at 18, 37, and 20, that, that seems to be about right. Uh, UC Santa Barbara, they were really hot last year. I don't know if you can maintain that. They got them at 17 in the preseason. Our friends, the Chips from Central Michigan, 16, probably win their league this year again. The problem with Central Michigan is it's just they just don't have the pitching talent to get over the hump up there. They're a really good mid-major team, and when they get to the end of a talent cycle, they can win some games and kind of upset some people. I just don't know if they have enough. Number 15, Louisiana Tech. You know, Tech was really strong down the stretch last year. And uh, there was talk that Tech might play their way into hosting opportunity and uh, and then advance. They weren't able to do that. You know, they end up hosting, uh, I guess it was Alabama, wasn't it? Memory escapes me. But, you know, listen, Tech is a much better program than it has been. And uh, I'm surprised that Lane Burroughs didn't get more interest. But uh, Louisiana Tech, with the new stadium, they put some money behind that program. Uh, they will do really well recruiting the I-20 corridor. They'll do really well there. Aren't in Texas or get over to Mississippi. And they've done a good job with Mississippi Junior Colleges. So 15 seems a bit high, but I could see them, you know, playing their way into a potential hosting situation again. Uh, UC Irvine, the Anteaters there at 14, they're always around. It's a solid program. But they're a team, too, that, you know, they need frontline pitching. TCU at 13, I think that's a bit high. You know, TC, of course, was a top eight national seed last year, the first national eight to be eliminated last year. You lose Schlossnagel, and they were kind of at the end of a talent cycle, too. They, they returned some pieces, but they're not the team they were a year ago, and that's the thing, too. The Big 12 was not good last year, and TCU kind of benefited from the fact that the, the bottom half of that league was abysmal. Number 12, Florida State at 12. Yeah, I don't know. They went 31-24 and 24 last year and uh, ended up in that regional with Ole Miss. I, I didn't think that Ole Miss should have worried about that in the least. I think Florida State is a team, too, that has kind of lost a bit of its identity, still trying to find it. Uh, you know, Coach Coach Martin is retired. You know, they, they're, they're coming along, and some people tell me they've got some young bats, so they're optimistic for the future. So that seems to be about right. Georgia Tech, 31-25, and 25, that is too high. There's no way that team is better than Ole Miss and Arkansas. They're not. Six games above 500 last year. And, again, they play uh, in a league that is a pretty good baseball league. You know, and they always seem to have pitching. 
They never seem to have those bats that scare you away. Number 10, Notre Dame. You know, we'll see. They lost a ton. They were a team that was kind of built to win last year. Uh, great coaching staff up there. Uh, Link Jarrett and those guys have done phenomenal. I think Notre Dame baseball is probably back. 10 seems a bit optimistic. Your Bulldogs at number nine, which I think is an absolute joke. Uh, all the way down at nine, especially when you hear some of the teams that are ahead of them. You're defending NAFL champions. Nine in the poll. And you say, well, they lost Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan. That's true, but you return basically everybody else. You know, Will Bednar, of course, you know, down the stretch, we had one consistent starting pitcher. And so Landon Sims goes into that role this year, and maybe Preston Johnson goes into Saturday. We'll see. Fox Hall will figure it out. This is a team that early on will kind of have to figure some things out, you know, pitching-wise. But number nine is too low. Number eight, East Carolina, and that's part of the issue right there. There is no way you can – even on paper, you can tell me East Carolina is a better team than Mississippi State. Absolutely not. Oklahoma State at seven, and, again, they're not better than Mississippi State either. 36-19 uh, and one last year. But Oklahoma State is a good program. And I think at this point it is easy to say that they run that state. They are one of the best teams in the Big 12. What does that mean kind of going forward? Number six, Florida, 38-22. and 22. Florida got hot late. They returned a lot of pieces. I think Florida is a top-10 team, especially if they can find one or two pitchers. And they always seem to have that. You know, Sully is a pitching coach by trade. Uh, they'll have pitching. They also have most of the offensive players back last year. I do think Florida is a top-10 team, and I do think Florida is a favorite in the SEC. Matter of fact, I think they will win the SEC East. Uh, number five, Stanford. You know, Dave and those guys got a good program out there. And, uh, you know, they, there was some talk last year that they should have been a top-eight national seed. They come up a little bit short, but they return a lot. So it makes sense. I would say right now they are the odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12. Makes perfect sense to me. So even a top-10 team, I think that's probably fair when you look at what's returning. Uh, number four, Texas Tech. And, again, that team is not better than Mississippi State. They're not. And uh, we're prepared to go get on the field and prove it whenever they're ready. Of course, Tech last year gets the number eight against Stanford. And, um, you know, it just didn't work out well for Texas Tech. And I, I'm a Tim Tadlock fan. But they're a team, too, that they're a lot better in their ballpark than they are on the road. They're a little bit like Arkansas. They're kind of a poor man's Arkansas. And when they find pitching, they're really good. But they also kind of benefit from being in a Big 12 league that's kind of been down the last couple of years. Uh, I don't think that they are a favorite to win the Big 12. I think that is clearly Texas. But I don't think Texas Tech is a top 10 team. They may be early in the polls, but they're not. And so here is one of the things, too, it's interesting to me, about the, one of the flaws in this poll. So we have Arizona – ranked as a top 25 team, and all their best players went to LSU. We have LSU ranked number three. LSU ranked and – and that's on reputation. If you saw LSU play last year, and let's be honest, and nobody will ever confirm this, but you and I both know, LSU made the tournament last year as an at-large as a favor to Paul Maneri. You know that's true. There were a lot of teams obviously still in contention – and you go with the nostalgia factor. Paul Maneri's been good for the game of baseball, even though we, he owned us for years. But you can't knock the fact that he and his family have done a lot for college baseball over the years. But LSU at number three is a joke. Do I think LSU will be 
a great team this year. I think they're a really good team this year. I don't know what's going to happen pitching-wise. They had the big guy transferring from Arizona, but you saw what they had to piece together with last year. They have some injuries. Next thing you know, they get into that bullpen, and it gets away from them. And LSU had every opportunity to play their way into the tournament last year, and then they didn't. Like, they kept giving the tournament committee, the selection committee, every opportunity to vote against them. LSU won the last teams in the tournament and uh, didn't close out strong, finished 13 games above 500. Is LSU a top-10 team at season's end? I don't know if I'm ready to go that yet. They're not a top-10 team right now. Number two, and this is the biggest joke in the poll, Vanderbilt at number two. Are you kidding me? So tell me that you don't follow college baseball without telling me you don't follow college baseball. Vanderbilt at number two. Are you kidding me? Honestly, are, are you serious? Vanderbilt at two, it's like they just want social media traffic. Oh, yeah, no. Vanderbilt is not number two. Matter of fact, Vanderbilt, and here's a hot take for you, Vanderbilt might be the third best team in the East, maybe fourth. If Georgia can find a little offense, Vanderbilt isn't even close to being the number two team in the country. At best, they're the number two team in the SEC East and certainly not in the SEC overall. I submit to you right now that Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, all better than Vanderbilt. Florida, better than Vanderbilt. But Vanderbilt's number two? Oh, well, you know, last year was an outlier. No, they lost in an AFL championship game. And, and look at what they're losing. And listen, I love Carter Young as a player. I do. I think he is an outstanding player. But he got exposed down the stretch last year. He has a hole in his swing. He can't handle the fastball in. Look at what he did in the postseason against elite pitching, against elite coaching staff. You don't think that everybody that plays Vanderbilt is going to see that? Now all of a sudden you start cheating that inside four-seamer. Next thing you know, that two-seamer is a strike on the corner. And you're going to sit there and look at it. You can't hit that. You can't cheat inside and then be able to protect outside. This doesn't work that way against the pitching in this league. So Vanderbilt at number two is a complete joke. I don't even have Vanderbilt in the top 15, in my personal opinion. You look at, well, Steve, they recruited well. And listen, there's always some names we don't know. That's honest to goodness truth. But you don't lose two first-round draft picks as pitchers and get better as a staff. doesn't happen. We knew last year they didn't have a third starter. We saw it. We saw it. People forget we beat them and beat them to death in an AFL championship series. So Vanderbilt at number two is a joke, an absolute joke. Number one, Texas. Not surprised by this at all. Uh, Texas loses a couple pieces, but they will be the class of the Big 12. Uh, They also have pitching back. And you say, you know, well, Steve, you know, they they did lose a couple big arms. They did. But you know what? Those games between Mississippi State and Texas last year were classic games. And who knew? Who knew how great that was going to end up being? And we ended up playing them, what, five times, four times last year? Maybe three times. Yeah, four times. But the reality of it is, is, you know, we played those guys. Nobody should know more about Texas than Mississippi State. I said last year, within a week of us winning the College World Series, that Texas is probably your number one team next year. They are. And I think that's fair. And I think everybody in college baseball, there will be a consensus number one. I think you could make a a conversation against everybody else in the poll in some respects. I think Texas right now is the most complete team in college baseball. 
And I think the fact that Vanderbilt is in the conversation at all is an, is an absolute travesty. Absolute travesty. Not to say that Vanderbilt's not going to win some games. They are. They're a good team. But they're not the number two team in America. It's not even close. And I, it's, it's a shame to me that we're not playing them this year. That's, that's what I, I wish we had a chance to get those guys at Duty Noble Field. But I don't think the East is going to be nearly as easy as it has been. That's the thing. Vanderbilt, as great as they have been, have gotten the break because they have had the opportunity to play Kentucky. They've had the opportunity to play South Carolina while they've, they've been down. Missouri, they get to play them three times a year. Well, now all of a sudden, maybe the window's closing a little bit there in the East. You know, Tony Vitello is going to – Tony is a great coach. And I know Tennessee was old last year. They're going to be competitive. They're a team that could take a game or two from Vanderbilt. Florida, going to be competitive. Georgia, going to be competitive. You know, for years, it was basically Vandy, Florida, and then everybody else. Well, now all of a sudden, the middle of the pack is getting better. And I'm excited to talk a little college baseball with you guys. So that's their poll. And, again, I disagree with it. Sponsored by Big League Chew. Used to have that a lot when I was a kid. That is their preseason poll. Came out today. Others will follow. We'll talk about that, too. But go ahead and be prepared to see Texas – at or near the top of just about everybody's college baseball poll. But Mississippi State at nine uh, is a joke. That is that is really not a good pick. And I don't think there's anybody out there that knows much about college baseball that, uh, you know, would agree with that. I don't think there's any question about that. I think that is uh, – I think Mississippi State is a top ten team. I think nine is probably – I'd probably had a Bulldog six, maybe five, maybe. But at the end of the day, that's the thing about polls, right? The only one that counts is the last one. And uh, we have a tournament to decide that. It's not a matter of opinion. So, as we saw last year, you know, a lot of people liked us a lot but didn't pick us to win an AFL championship. I'm not saying we're going to win it e- either, but we have a real chance to get back to Omaha, and then we'll see how things go. Uh, but I like our team. I look forward to getting back on the field. Uh, but there you go. There's some college baseball talk for you today. I look forward to being with you guys soon. It's been a really long show today. Covered a lot of ground. I want to thank you guys for your support of the Boneyard all these many years. And, again, obviously, you know now, Dogpile and I are going to be here by Christmas. Uh, they're telling us next month, and then we'll get books out to you. Have an actual delivery date uh, probably within a week, you know, once everybody gets back from holiday break. And these are the things that irritate me to no end. You know, it's like, you know, we do our part. You know, I did my part. Publisher did their part. And then we'll, the printer uh, sends an email last week kind of apologizing for all the stuff. But the reality of it is, uh, you guys are going to have books, and you guys have been so great. I've probably gotten 200 messages from people asking me for an update. And um, the reality of it is it's going to be next month. And so uh, I did my part, and uh, they basically assured us it would be no problem to get it before Christmas, and then here we are. We're not going to have it before Christmas, and I hate it because I know many of you were excited to have it. But uh, we will have it next month. Uh, you know, God forbid any other delays, but uh, they tell us everything is – is good to go and they'll get us going and matter of fact we're already having to think about the second printing because so many of you have pre-ordered the book and that's a dogpilethebook.com and uh, i'm actually headed down to jackson tomorrow to sign a bunch of books some of you have ordered um you know flim flam alpha dogs stark villains uh, so they can get those things out in the mail to you and hope that you get it in time for christmas so i'll be doing that tomorrow if you're looking for stark villains gear you can find that at starkvillains.com but as always, I look forward to being back with you guys on Wednesday. We'll have a lot to talk about as always. Going to see if I can't find some more transfer portal names for you guys too, and we'll uh, talk.
talk some recruiting. But until then, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.